afternoon and good evening depending on what time you're listening to this welcome to another edition of two brown two furies i'm your host shams and with me as always is my co-host akil uh today we are um akil and i were debating what we wanted to make our next movie topic be about and given the current situation what's happening in america there are a lot of movies to pick from um but we thought we would actually pick a movie that wouldn't necessarily come to people's minds in terms of something that is uh, related uh, to uh, that uh, is related to what's going on today. And the movie we actually decided to pick was the 2012 blockbuster smash uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, and The Dark Knight Rises, I, was, I, I don't think it needs any introduction. I'm pretty sure everyone including my own parents have seen this movie um a lot of people see so, this movie I, a lot I, of people have seen this movie but i don't know it's possible you missed it yeah sure it's dark not the dark knight yes it's the sequel to the dark knight and the culmination of the dark knight trilogy that started in 2005 with batman begins um it is uh the only batman trilogy ever to be made uh, surprisingly, given how many films that Batman got has has been made, um, and so obviously the movie was following the massive success of The Dark Knight from two thousand eight, and then obviously Heath Ledger was a huge part of that film success, and uh, he was uh, not going to be uh, in the, his version of the Joker was not going to be in this film because Nolan said he would not recast the Joker. Um, so this was a movie. This was a sequel in which you are literally knowingly taking away the greatest element that you had in the prior film. Arguably the yeah. greatest performance by a villain in, in movie history. Arguably. And comic book. I was, I, yeah, that's... I don't know if, you, if you're making a list, it wouldn't be ridiculous to put it on there. No, it wouldn't be... Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the analogy I would say is like, imagine if George Lucas came to Return of the Jedi. He's like, guess what, guys? Darth Vader's not going to be in this movie. And you're just like, what? Yeah. Um, uh, that's like the closest thing I can think of in terms of like making a sequel to The Dark Knight and not having the Joker be in it at all. And not only not um, be in it, be completely unaddressed at any point in the film. Right. Um, so, obviously, it was a big task to take on. And uh, the film uh, was met with its own version of tragedy at the time because on opening night um, at midnight in Colorado Aurora, there was a shooting um, and that sort of overshadowed a lot of the film, I think, at the time. Um, and um, that was interesting because I think, Akil, at least for me, it felt like the shooting was a bigger deal than the movie itself. 
But over time, and people weren't really talking about the movie, they were talking about the shooting. But I think over these years, the movie has actually great kind of I shouldn't say incepted. I sh- I'll say incepted because it's the Nolan podcast. It's, it has like incepted, incept, incepted into people's minds. And I think it does have a, I think it has a place in pop culture, particularly in like the meme culture, specifically with Bane. Yeah, Bane. Um, and there's the Alfred, no, I failed you scene that's been, yeah, been memed. So I think in meme, I think in meme culture, it, it has a very valid, valid place um and status i don't think we should distinguish uh, between meme culture and culture i think at this point culture sure, is just fair, fair yeah but but the movie uh the movie has the point is, is that the movie at the when it got released i feel it was overshadowed by shooting but now it's it is remembered but what i don't think is actually remembered is i think these memes are remembered the shots the sort i think certain action sequences are remembered Bane fighting Batman in particular, I think, is a very memorable sequence. Uh, the opening sequence with the plane going, literally getting blown, and they literally blew off like a real life plane in half. Yeah, no, that seems awesome. Yeah, so I think all of that is remembered. I don't think people actually remember like what the hell the movie's about, really. Um, and that's the thing why you and I wanted to rewatch this and dive into it because. Um, there's a lot to unpack in terms of what the movie tries to tackle, right? Um, and so we first want, I think, just get into the different themes and messages of the film that it's attempting to take on. Because uh, there's a lot, and uh, you could maybe look at it at a surface level, but I actually think there's a lot going on underneath that it's trying to get at. And it's not always successful in all this stuff, but I do think there is more than just surface level um, messaging going on yeah i mean, I, I think i you know I, I agree with that i mean the christopher nolan is is not he's not an unambitious filmmaker and, and nor are his scripts he's not michael bay right you know and I, I, i'm not saying that yeah. to be derogatory of michael bay but bay's films are not trying to hit you with uh narrative um heft subtext and subtext and themes and you know yeah. it's, it's there they are what's on the screen is what yeah. you're intended to megan fox running with sweat and like you know a half half torn shirt is just what you think it's exactly about. there's nothing it, it, yeah there's nothing else yeah. going the, on the there. the the text is the text right but but the nolan films i i, I think every film that nolan has made you know you, you can see that he's he is a you know trying to say something about society. So, yeah. so um, I think the, I think the interesting things that I think Nolan copies Bay's sense to some extent that I think he's he sometimes presents a facade that oh this is just like surface level like Hollywood blockbuster explosion um, to kind of trick us into thinking that that's all it is. But then he actually is putting things inside of all that. Um, I think that's the difference between him and Bay is that he likes he likes what Bay does, but he wants to do more with it. So it's not that he's actually rejecting what Michael Bay is doing; is that he's accepting that, but then feels like there's more that can be done with it. At least that's my inter- that's always been my interpretation of Nolan: is that he he wants to have it both ways. Yeah, and I think that the films of his that are the most successful at it succeed, and I think the ones where 
you know, it, at the very least, the less memorable ones are the ones where he's not as successful in, in having to go away. So, so, okay. So the, the, the yeah. dark Knight rises, at, you know, is um, of the three uh, of the Batman trilogy. I think it's, it's the one that attempts to do the most thematically. Um, and so 20, yes. 2012, um, you know, we're at that point, um, the great recession is technically over at that point, but um, it doesn't feel like it's over. Um, you know, right. Like, Occupy. Yeah. Occupy Wall Street was they, happening. The, so exactly. Uh, the year before this. Yeah. The um, Occupy movement. The film was filmed during the time. I actually think the film was filmed like they had like some shots of New York actually from the like aerial shots that were happening from Occupy Wall Street using the film. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. The, the film very clearly, clearly is written with Occupy Wall Street in mind. Um, uh, you know, and, and you know, I mean, a key plot moment in the film takes place on Wall Street. Um, you know, there's a, a huge amount of the film is about rising up. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's a reestablishing social order, changing new. Order yeah, like yeah. That. You know, so there's there's a there's a lot there. Um, I should note though that Nolan constantly said that his main inspiration was a Tale of Two Cities, though. Okay, I mean, I don't give a shit what Nolan says uh, about. <laughs> I, just, I just need to point that out because I remember that at the time, and then before we were doing this podcast. I was doing a little bit of research and I was like, oh yeah, Nelly kept trying to tell people, no, this is just a tale of two cities as a comic book movie. I'm just like, no one's believing you, bro. Like no one thinks that. It also, it doesn't matter. Like it does, it, it absolutely <laughs> does not matter what Chris Nolan believes he was writing. The notion that Chris Nolan would right. be unaware of the Occupy movement and that wouldn't influence how he wrote, yeah. um, and how, and also how audiences would interpret it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So, you know, it, it's a piece of art. As soon as it leaves the creator's hands, we are allowed to interpret it uh, through our own lens. And yeah. so the themes that we see in the movie are, are the themes. And I don't really care yeah. if the, the, uh, the yeah. author is like, ah, <laughs> oh, that's not what I meant. Like, fuck you. That, that's, you know, the Game of Thrones people said they didn't mean to shoot a rape scene. They shot a fucking rape scene. Like they're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Okay then. All right. Didn't realize you had a... we could spend another time painting the Game of Thrones. Let's keep it just with Christopher. Okay, Nolan. that's that's fine. All right. So, right. So, so Chris Nolan uh, and Jonathan Nolan, his brother, wrote a movie that is is like very clearly about um, rising up in the Occupy movement and income yeah. inequality and um, you know. Social unrest, I think, is... Yes, and I'm not entirely clear what the movie's stance on on social unrest is. Yes, that's actually the biggest problem and good... It's a great strength and the worst... It's, it's the best and worst thing about the movie. AKA, you know, the best of times and the worst of times. Too. You know, it, maybe it is like a show city. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. Uh, you knew I was going to throw it in there. You could, you knew I was gonna throw <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I mean, you would. That was actually pretty well executed. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, but yeah, to me, th- its ambiguous stance is a strength and also a massive weakness. And I can explain that further if you want right now, or I don't know if you want to go further. 
I'm curious because I don't see it as a strength and I don't really see how it could be a strength. So I'm curious what you think. So I think it's a strength in the sense that I think it, I think it in the beginning when it's trying to expose a full circle of the, of what it sees um, the issue being by not taking a a stance, I think it's actually providing a, fairly objective non bi as close to non-biased view of these of certain issues um but then it never actually ends it but towards the end at some point you can't just be stating these objective i like facts you have to eventually say okay what does this mean right not like what it is but like we you've told us what all this is now so what's the value of that and like what should we do with that with these facts and it doesn't have a strong answer to that so that's the weakness yeah is that it it does a good job of actually presenting a bunch of issues and clearly putting it all out there um and as a film in general i think it does it as a Hollywood blockbuster, massive, big budget film aimed at mass audiences, it's actually insane that it's actually like doing all of this to me. Um, like the fact that a central, like a plot point, is like Bane going to like Wall Street and like doing this like hack to then prove like this bigger point about like the in like fragility of like money and then. To then get to this point that like money is inherently kind of just this intangible, valueless thing that we just make up and that real power can be obtained without it. Um, There's that scene where um, Ben Mendelsohn, um, the kind of crooked executive dude, is getting mad at Bane because he's not doing the plan that he thought he would. And he's like, don't you know who's in charge? And Bane just like grabs him and he just says like, like, do you feel in charge now? And it's just, like, such a, like, great kind of subversion of, like... It's, like, that's literally, like, what the 99 versus 1%, like, movement was trying to get at. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, sort of. It doesn't actually... No, right, sort of. But it doesn't go far enough to say, all right, but then what does, like... All right, so... so uh, a, the problem is that Bane, Bane's the one doing it, and he's a bad guy. So it's like... Wait, yeah, and wait, that, that's... 99%? Exactly. So yeah. is are the 99% Bane? Like, that's not... That's, like, really... Right. Is, is that what we're supposed to take away from that? That the 1% are, the, are being, you know, like... And, and But the 1% are shown as to be bad, too. Like, the thing, it shows the 1% guy to be bad, but then the 99% is represented by Bane, who's also bad. Right, which is so for like, for me, that's like that. That's like just it's just incoherent. And and so your point about the money sort of being a social construct, I think that that's a really good point. I would, however, suggest that the scene in The Dark Knight, where Joker literally says it's not about money, it's about sending a message. Uh, this crown, this uh, town deserves a better class class of criminal. I'm going to give it to him as he sets a giant pile of money on fire like it's you know that's a much much better and effective and coherent message um 
that that works with the character. So so you know, for me, the themes of this movie, like it it establishes that it cares about these themes, but it has no coherent stance. And and so like, okay, is that a fair critique? Right? Is is it fair of me to cr- criticize Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan? for in a Batman movie, not articulating a better response to income inequality. Like probably not because that's like a, that is a wicked problem. Uh, That's not like a easy thing to solve and much smarter people than, than me or, um, or, you know, probably Chris Nolan. um, Although I don't think Chris Nolan seems like a smart guy, but people who study this stuff for a very long time don't have good answers to those questions. And so that the Dark Knight Rises didn't come up with a super coherent message on that front is, is okay. That's like, maybe I'm asking the film to to do too much. That said, if you're going to steep your film so much in those themes, right. If you're going to, if you're going to dip your toe, yeah. You You know, I think that just ultimately it's, you got to go at least three feet. You can't just, yeah. So, you know, we'll talk about the third act of the movie, but I think that um, what's really interesting to me is that the movie basically sets it up so that the, the climax of the climax, climactic action sequence is um, unarmed people running at um, very armed people protesting their take, the fact that they've taken over the city and trying to take it back. Um, Yeah. But, the people charging are police cops. Yeah. Mostly police. And they're charging the oppressed, the previously oppressed by the system. Um, you know, the roving who've been manipulated by like a shadowy organization. Yeah. To take over their city. So, yeah. and this is where to me, like the, the, the narrative incoherence behind this theme is really like stark. Which is like you know obviously Chris Nolan in, in 2012 or 2010 when he wrote the movie wasn't thinking about these issues in the way that I think we would think about them now, but I do think that it's kind of stark to watch it now and be like, man, this is just like a who who are we rooting for here and 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 who who who's the bad guy and yeah. you know and if this, if it's the case that that people are gray. You know, and, and that's the, the narrative point that the movie is trying to make. It perhaps should do it without like having a literal supervillain and superhero. Right? Like make Bane gray, make Batman gray as opposed to hero and villain. Right. That's it doesn't the thing do that. that. So it makes Batman gray to some extent, but it doesn't make Bane gray. Like Bane is just bad. No, because like, ultimately the the problem with Bane is that like if his if his motives were what he says in his speech, you know, like uprising, overthrow, that'd be one thing. But his motives are to murder the entire city. Yeah, I mean, it's so this movie tries to connect to the first movie with Razzle Gould, and I actually think that. He could. What you're asking for could have been done if Rosal Ghul was the villain in this one, because I think Rosal Ghul as a character has the ability to become a great character. Well, we we saw that, right? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, we saw it in Batman Begins. I'm saying we could have. 
I think the actual like if you look at the comic book character, um, they could have they could have done even more with it and actually really created a truly ambiguous villain um, where you know he's sinister, but you're sort of like, is he like complete? Like he's but he's not the Joker. Like he's not complete, either, right? Um, no, he he wants he wants the world to be better. He just believes that... in his ver- in his way. Yeah, yeah. He believes that doing so requires people to die. Um, right. So I think I think I, so. I think we're getting at, we're kind of circling around this thing that the the film is doesn't know. The film wants to talk about all these different ideas, but it doesn't know at the end of the day what is right and what is wrong. Um, and it's actually the big problem I have at the end of the film, and we can maybe use this as a way to segue, is that I actually have a big problem that the end of the film is that like Bruce Wayne just like sort of gives up. Like it tries to say that, like, well, no, like he's made Batman a symbol and hope for people to just like use to like live their life and like use that as like inspiration right but i'm also like yeah but like bruce wayne is literally just like a rich dude now like traveling the world not giving a damn right and like that seems problematic yeah i mean the ending is incoherent thematically right Um, so it's like like why like like I think, like, and I, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to totally, re- like, say, like, this is what I rewrite everything. But, like, it feels like if it would have been that, like, he gives up being Batman, but, like, he goes on being Bruce Wayne and, like, just, like, tries to save the city as Bruce Wayne, right? And do a better job being Bruce Wayne, city savior or whatever. Like, that would have been a much more consistent ending. It, it, it would have been consistent in some respects, but in other respects, if if the right. film presents itself as the the one percent versus the ninety nine percent, Bruce Wayne is is, is literally the one percent. He, he's he is in 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 the the richest man in the world in these in in these uh, these comics, right? So it's, yeah, you know, um, and. And you know the, the source of his strength is or his resources, and you know he's rich. That that is his superpower. Um, uh, as Ben Affleck, Affleck. yeah, art, as Ben Affleck artfully <laughs> says, as Batman in in Justice League. Ben Affleck's only good line as Batman in the entire his entire two films as Batman. That's probably true. I have a little bit of a soft spot for for um his performance. Oh, for. Oh, you mean alcoholic Batman? Yeah, I totally love alcoholic recovery Batman. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those movies are a mess. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So it's but yeah, I yeah that yeah it's it's incoherent. And okay, so and it's, like we've been dunking on this movie for you know twenty odd minutes now, and and I think it's sort of important to say that like I think that the themes of this movie are incoherent, but I don't actually think this is a bad movie. Oh, let's be clear. Okay, I should have said this from the start. I freaking still love this movie because I'm a freaking Nolan Dark Knight fanboy. Let's be clear. I, I have a great time watching this movie. Right. right? So, so, 
Like the first two thirds of this movie are legitimately really good. The last third is just incoherent, but it's also dope because the action sequences are still dope. It's visually good. I mean, the, the visuals right, are, are outstanding. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, let's just break down. Like, first scene, like, Tommy Carcetti gets blown okay, up. Okay, nobody other than me is going to understand what we meant there. Littlefinger gets blown <laughs> up by me. <laughs> Um, and, and the thing is, it was. And if people remember, this was, uh, I mean, back when movie th- this concept of movie theaters used to exist. Um, if you saw this in IMAX, this a lot of these sequences at the time, this had the most sequences of a film filmed in IMAX ever. Um, and like just that opening sequence, and, and if you've seen IMAX, just to like that full visual of the plane flying and then blowing up and then Bane coming out from it at the end. Like, it was just literally, like, jaw-dropping. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible scene. Um, you know, it's, it's, then, I mean, the... it's seven years later, and um, I have, I've said this on this podcast before. I'm not saying this as a humble brag or just a straight-up brag, but I have a very nice TV. It reveals flaws in VFX and visuals from older movies. It's not kind to them. I watched The Dark Knight in 4K um, like three days ago on my very nice TV, and it holds up extremely well. The visuals to this movie are impeccable. Because he blew up the plane. Right, because it's real, because it's not VFX. Because he he bought a plane and he blew it up. Yeah. Just like in Interstellar, it was cheaper for him to buy actual cornfields and drive trucks through them than it was yeah. to do it via VFX. Like, it's that's the thing. So, like, visually, Nolan, I, I mean, visually, Nolan is still Nolan, right? Like, no matter what, no matter, even in Nolan's worst moments, right, he just has the cinematic scope that no very few filmmakers of the last 20 years have had um and that just stands up right i'm a big believer that substance very much does matter but in terms of cinema the certain ideas of visual imagery that just hold up for the rest of time and it's why certain films from like 60, 70 years ago, I can still watch today. And while the dialogue may not be as sharp and the acting may feel a bit different than it does today, but the visuals of the films are as strong today as they were 70 years ago. And I really believe that with Christopher Nolan, most of his films and shots, that he has a sense of visuals that will that stands up and will stand up over time. And no matter what we feel about his other elements of his films, like we can't take that away from him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So I think the first two thirds of this movie are, 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 are quite good, uh, watchable, um, and uh, entertaining. And, and just entertaining. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have quibbles with things. I, I think that you know, the character of Bruce Wayne is um, not particularly interesting. Um, uh, in this movie or in general? In this movie. Oh, yes. 
Um, particularly, you know, given how interesting the character was in, in Batman Begins. Um, I think it's very interesting in The Dark Knight, too. I think it's always over, over, underrated. Everyone just always overlooks just... Yeah, because he has the how interesting. the love story, and also he has, like, a bunch of good one-liners uh, yeah. in The Dark Knight, which is an underrated element of that movie. The, the very comedic, the comedic elements of Dark Knight are amazing. Right, right. yeah. The the degree to which you laugh in that movie uh, is is potentially one of the things that that elevates it above. Um, There's very little laughter in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like Nolan was like, "Oh, you guys think a Christopher Nolan movie is like dark and brooding? Let me show you what I think a dark and brooding film is." Yeah, and then Zack Schneider watched it and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna take this to 11." <laughs> or more like a negative 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, first two thirds. Um, Anne Hathaway, which was a big question mark for me going into it. I, I think she's not given enough, but I think what she's given, what she actually does really well with. I think she steals every um, scene she's in. Right. But I don't think she's given enough. So oh, I, 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 yeah. Her character. Her character isn't that great, but she is really, really good. I think her character is actually a little bit better than I remembered it being. Um, there's more there than, than I thought. I don't think there's enough there. And, you know, I, I don't want to make this a comparison between The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises because The Dark Knight Rises will lose every time, and that's just not fair. But, yeah. you know, for instance, Rachel, uh, uh, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal um, in The Dark Knight uh, has more. Probably doesn't have more to do, um, but, you know, is a super well-developed character. Her, the the con was... Mag Rachel Rachel Dawes, aka Maggie Jalen Hall, formerly played by Katie Holmes, um, has a genuine conflict in The Dark Knight to me. Yeah, like a real interesting conflict, right? Um, and and there's a and the great thing about The Dark Knight is that it actually has a resolution to that conflict. It just literally ends that resolution with her dying, but. Um, like she has a genuine conflict between which life does she want to choose yep. between Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne, right? Um, and she makes a choice in the end, um, and then she dies. Um, but like that's like what choice? I mean, I guess Catwoman makes a choice that she like comes back to fight and save Batman, but like that's just like a very comic. I don't know. It just I I, I didn't. I don't feel like they gave her a great struggle and conflict in this film. They tried. I, I agree with you. It doesn't. Yeah, laugh. they tried. No, 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 it's not. This film tries. I think the one thing I won't say about this, this film does try. Yeah. Right. It doesn't. Its problem is not a lack of trying and effort. Its problem is a, is in terms of execution. Yeah. Right. It's but it, it's not. It is. It is one of the least laziest blockbuster films that you can ever see. Yeah. Like, it is trying in some ways too much. Oh, yeah, for sure. Say. Yeah, no, it definitely tries too much. Um, so, right? so I think that, that, like, where this all sort of comes to a head, where most of the issues that we're identifying, like, they're sort of visible in the first two acts, but they just, they're glaring in the third act, which to me, like, uh, you know, if you watch the movie, 
the third act, the climax is just, it's, it's a mess. I mean, so when I, you know, when I say the third act, Shams and I were talking about this before we started recording, um, what's the third act? It's basically everything that happens after Bane gives his speech uh, at the football yeah. stadium. The, yeah, the football stadium blows up, yeah. Um, um. And I just think, so for me, they're like, there's a Wait, Hold on, pause, pause. By the way, that scene, yeah. incredible still. Yeah. The, the, the montage of that, like the cutting between the, the boy and the mayor and the, the sound and what's going on with the cops. I mean, it's classic Nolan of like juggling multiple different things. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, I mean phenomenal. It, it's, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, so, right. And so that's the best. That's basically the, the peak of the film. Um, you know, so for me, like, there's problems with the text and the subtext in the third act. Um, and that's for me, like, why this movie is ultimately, it feels so unsatisfying, despite actually being a pretty, pretty damn good movie. Um, is that okay, so the text my problem with the text it's completely and totally unbelievable what what happens on screen 100 percent. like every plot hole that you think exists exists right and you know okay so the dark knight and batman begins are they believable obviously there are a bunch of things in batman begins that make no goddamn sense like machine that turns uh, water vapor or water into vapor, but doesn't like I explode that. people. Um, you don't know that's not possible. You just think that's not possible, right? So you know, I mean, tech, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right, like that's that's in, in the Dark Knight, like the Joker planning all of that out is is like fails a basic understanding of conditional probability. Um, of course, that's not a a failing limited to uh, the Dark Knight, but. Nevertheless, um, within the uh, rules, the, the main thing with the Dark Knight is the fact that Harvey Dent survives that car crash, but everyone else dies. I mean, there there are a lot of things, but it, <laughs> the 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 thing is, is that within the rules of the movie, it it's fine, right? But right, the the okay. So the premise is that a city is being held hostage by a nuclear bomb, and yeah. The United States government and military exists and yes. does nothing. They don't negotiate with terrorists. Right. So they do nothing. To be fair, I actually don't think that part is as unbelievable as you think it is. I just like. That's actually the bottom tier of like my issues with plot continuity and plot uh, like ridiculousness. I mean, there's there's a lot, but that that's a that's a big one for me. Oh, to me, that, that I actually could, I actually think that's not out of the realm of reality. Not saying that's the most likely outcome that would happen in real life, but I don't think it's as low of a probability as you think it is. Uh, they have a nuclear bomb. Why? Why would you believe that? At no point. In, in the movie, do they establish that they actually have a nuclear bomb? Yeah, but they have one. And you know they have one. Right. You but, as the audience know they have one. Also, police officers trapped underground? No, what? that doesn't make any sense. 
like but they don't die and they don't they apparently go able to shave every day right um <laughs> so so well, okay uh, no, the worst. Okay, can we just get, can we just skip to the worst part, which is that Bruce Wayne suddenly gets up from this freaking prison, right? Gets his way all the way back to America, right? Just walks in. No, 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 no. Walks in to some lockdown city, meets up with Catwoman somehow, and then to top it off, the cherry on the top, decides to meticulously plan gasoline on this thing in the shape of a bat, so that for his grand entrance, he's gonna light it on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when did he do that? Yeah, no, I mean, how did he do like, that? Like, that. I couldn't get over that eight years ago, and I still can't get over that today. Well, that's, that I mean, was... that, that's a problem like where they're just trying to make this awesome moment, and it makes no goddamn sense. It makes no sense. But every it's like this, it's the chain of events. Like if only one of those events happened, like the thing is, like the Dark Knight may have an event, but it's like okay, there's just this one event, and then like you just move on. But there's yeah. like this chain of events where just like you can't just keep doing this. Like at some point you have to be grounded, particularly for a Christopher Nolan film exactly. where he's trying to be grounded in reality. As yes. in, is in he's he he's he doesn't make realistic films, but he tries to adhere to realism as close as he can. Right. Right. For someone of that to just say fuck it and like go with the most like insane movie ideas just feels like I, I don't want to say lazy but just I'll say just lazy I would say disappointing I mean it, it it ultimately I think kills the movie um it just rushes it you know it's not even... I feel it's so rushed in the end yeah I mean, may, maybe rushed. I, I'm, I'm not sure that you could salvage it. Uh, I think that the, See, the, pre- I don't, the premise I is like... so ridiculously stupid that I just, like, it, it just does not make any sense. Um, See, I, I, this is where I just, I, you and I had this. I disagree with you in the sense that if they had made this a part one, part two, Right, and part one ends with Bane blowing up the stadium, and part two spent a lot of time talking about like how the city devolves, um, how actually makes Bruce's con like struggle, like an elongated struggle, not like a five minute scene, um, and like has a proper explanation as to how he gets back, and like an actual plan as to like, all right, like. What are we gonna do? And then also makes the Talia thing mean something, and not just some random dumb idea. Um, like I think, it, I think if you give it to, I think if that third act was two hours, a two-hour film on its own, I think you could have done something with it. I'm not guaranteeing it, but I think it you, there was you, there you was something to be done. Probably could have done. Enough to make me get on board with it. 
if it if you gave it it, it may not have been amazing like it, it still may not have been like dark knight level is what i'm saying but like it would have been much better i don't know like we're belaboring on it but it's just like i mean it's just not a good third act uh, it's incoherent it ends up not necessarily neg- it ends up just like negating some elements from the this its own film and the previous film yeah and it doesn't end up say, and it doesn't negate it to say anything it'd be one thing that's like i'm going to negate this to say something interesting or more profound or whatever it just negates it and then just doesn't say anything of note i mean the best part about the third act is uh um, gary oldman giving that speech at his fake funeral um yeah which is a dope reading right um, yeah, but Gary Oldman but, at the end of The Dark Knight is like an all-timer. Yeah. True. So, yeah, like, that's the thing. But so, it's, and that's the problem with the film is that it, this, these, the earlier days we're talking about in terms of like 1% or 99% social upheaval, unrest. What, what would happen if you literally, if a s- urban city actually went through like gen like an actual upheaval and opposition and resistance and a rising of, of people right of a populist movement right there's like hints of all that but then and it's like exposing all these different issues with like the system itself and you're thinking oh it's going to do something with this and then it does. and a batman trilogy right like because so one option is to have the character die right okay that's Fine. Okay, maybe you probably should have just done. Yeah, probably. He, he probably should just actually killed him. Um, but then, if you're not gonna do that, it's not clear how you Why can stop. have the character live but not continue to be Batman. It goes against the whole idea of like the uprising and like rising and fighting and like continuing to endure like a big like a big theme about the dark knight is endurance endurance right right? like literally alfred literally has he literally asks alfred what would you have me do and alfred says endure right like that's a major concept the dark knight and it's also a major element of batman right is this idea of a man he's unbreakable right like he understands the world is has evil and bad in it, but that, to quote another film, like the um, 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 the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Like that's Batman. Is that he believes it's still worth fighting? Okay, always. hold up. Yes, that is a quote from Seven, but Seven is quoting Ernest Hemingway. I know. Shut up. But I'm quoting the movie. Because I'm not courting Owen Hemingway when I'm saying that. You missed. So you movie. missed 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> Michael Scott. Okay, I'm quoting Seven. I'm not quoting Ernest Hemingway. Oh, okay, so I don't care if Ernest Hemingway said it. I'm quoting Seven. Okay, it's a movie podcast. It's not an Ernest Hemingway podcast. Ernest Hemingway can be talked about in the Ernest Hemingway podcast. This is not an Ernest Hemingway podcast. I don't know anywhere near enough to be able to talk about Ernest Hemingway more than That's that why one I'm quote. Saying, I don't want to talk about Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> this is the most that Ernest Hemingway has ever been talked about. <laughs> it will ever be talked about in this podcast. 
point is, is that there's this idea of endurance and fighting for, still fighting and struggling, which the Dark Knight like gets perfectly. And then like it's just like at the end of this, just like, eh, like Anne Hathaway is a babe, so like let me just like go to Europe with her. Yeah. That's the ending. Yeah. Also, why her? I mean, she's just there. Uh, and she's the only woman in the movie, right? So. <laughs> That's just like she's there. It's like, eh. you know, like Bruce Wayne could have like found another random woman anywhere else in the world. If you well, I guess Talia. Talia is also in the movie. Um, but yeah, but she's dead. That's right. After you is, is, is this, right? So I, I agree with you. It's, a, it's tough to rate this movie. Um, do you think that it would have been, it would be better if this movie didn't exist? I have to bet, you know, you, oh my God. You've been waiting eight years to drop this on me, haven't you? I, 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 I honestly, I, that, that was not like a premeditated question. That's just like, I was thinking about it as we were talking. I have thought about this question before. Because like I said, I'm a Nolan fanboy, so I think about stuff like this. Because um, I'm not sure he wanted to make this movie. I don't... I think... So I don't think this film actually impacts, and I don't think it has impacted the legacy of the Dark Knight whatsoever. I agree with you on that. Right? So it's not like it's not like a certain Star Wars film that just came out, right? That completely um, invalidated the entire everything. trilogy. Yeah, trilogy. Yeah. yeah, or the final season so, of Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's not that, right? So I in the because it's not that I can't say that I wish it didn't exist because, like I said, there's still stuff in it I really like. Um, and at the end of the day, it lets me say this is the best comic book trilogy. It sets a bar for like the trilogy. I still think with the, even with its flaws, if you take the all three films combined, the bar of the trilogy as its own stands up pretty high for me. Um, but agreed. But do I think I'd rather wish the ending was just the Dark Knight? him driving on his motorcycle in the end of the tunnel and Gary Oldman doing a voiceover? Yeah. Like, that's just a better ending. Like, it's... Like, people have called it... So people... people um, I was reading a lot of old reviews just to get, like, refresh my memory as to what people reacted to. Um, a lot of people akin it to Return of the Jedi, which was that everyone knows Empire Strikes Back is better, Right? But and Return of Jedi gets knocked for not being Empire Strikes Back. But Empire Strikes Back ends up creating this like ends up having a really good ending at the end, right? Like it does tie everything up together. I don't think this is that, right? I don't think it actually ties up everything really well together in the end. No, um, I don't think so. So because of so because of that, to answer your question finally, I would say I'd rather it not exist, just so. I got a nice, clean ending to this character. So, a Batman. So I agree with you, right? Like the film that we got, um, narratively, I don't think adds anything. I I think that it it actually does 
the fact that it hasn't harmed the legacy of the, the, the prior movie is kind of amazing, um, given how. Because it's, but let's be clear, it's not a bad movie. No one. No, no, no. But but it interrogates the ending of the the Dark Knight in ways that should really alter how you watch the Dark Knight. And of course, that doesn't happen, yeah. right? But I think that you know the whole point of the ending of the Dark Knight and Gary Oldman's speech is that like Batman is a symbol, and that symbol can mean anything, even if even if it's not it's the truth. Uncorruptible. It's uncorruptible. It's, it's yeah. Literally- Right. right, but then the whole point of the first act of the Dark Knight Rises is, oh, actually, by the way, um, everything's corrupt. yeah, everything's corrupt. Like that choice that Batman made, like totally destroyed the symbol uh, to the and it and it broke Bruce Wayne, and he hasn't done anything but sit in his house for for seven years. And like, yes, Gotham has been good, but it's all based on a lie, and it's uh, you know something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Um, and you know, like <laughs> uh, you know, I I think it it the it, it really like you know in thinking about it more, and I haven't really thought about this, um, uh, you know, until I rewatched uh, this film and thinking about it more, like it, you know, I I'm really curious, like which what is Nolan's ultimate conclusion about the ending of the Dark Knight? Is it that it should be helpful? Or is it that actually what happened, what we we viewed on screen was actually a really, like a travesty, really horrific thing? Because I, 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 don't I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I think it's confusing. Um, so, you know, so, okay, so do I wish that, the, that this movie didn't exist? So, like, knowing what we got, potentially, right? But the, the problem is, is that, like, in a world where there was no sequel to The Dark Knight, I would want a sequel. I would want another movie. Because yeah, I don't I think don't that the ending to The Dark Knight... Because we know that he's... No, what we want is we want Heath Ledger to still be alive and that we would have gotten to see what that would have been. Yeah, the, the alleged script that opens with the Joker's trial. Um, that yeah. people have been talking about and rumors on the internet for the, you know, more than a which decade. Which does not exist, but there's, there's nowhere that script exists. Um, um, I just... I don't know. But to be clear, but I actually think that movie could have been disappointed. I actually think because the Joker's not in this, it actually, that's probably why it doesn't ruin the Dark Knight's legacy is because the Joker's not in it. Yeah. And like I said in the beginning, I don't think people think about the substance of this film that much. I don't think people think so about like, this film that much. Sure. Like, well, it's a film that exists within pop culture, but it's not a film that people think about what it was saying and what it was trying to do. Yeah. I mean, it made a billion dollars, right? but I don't think that it has. I don't think it, it has like I a, mean, you know, meaningful impact. Outside the pop culture, I mean, that's I don't know what you I mean. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of Bane is a very valuable figure in pop culture, right? Like, it's it's not that the that's the thing, like, the iconic Greek iconography of the film, I think, does exist in pop culture. I just don't think people really understand what the film was doing and saying, or not, I shouldn't say don't understand, they just don't care, they just don't think about that. Wrapping up. 
Um, I just want I, I'm just, I'll ask you just one quick question. Uh, would um, would you have would you have watched this? Um, would you would you have wanted this film to have the Joker in it if it wasn't Heath Ledger? Then or now? But uh, answer both, I guess. I think then. I mean, then I know the answer is yeah, yeah. Then the answer is no. Oh, okay. Like I was, I was like, I get it. Don't recast the character. He's absolute. Um, the performance is unimpeachable. Just leave it alone. Now. They recast Katie Holmes from Batman yeah. Begins to Dark Knight Rises. And we've had two Jokers since then in the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, and, you know, like, uh, Don Cheadle was not. Yeah. Uh, was not What's-His-Face in... Um, Terrence Howard. Yeah. In, he, he was, he was he not, not Rhodey in, uh, in, in yeah. the first Avengers. Um, yeah. You know, it's... It, yeah, how many different uh, call or not? Uh, how many different love interests um, did they, did uh, in Game of Thrones? They have that um, Dario. How many different actors did they have play him? Three, I think. Oh uh, yeah, three, yeah. three, three um, different actors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of whom look nothing alike. You know, I mean, I, I no, yeah. like yeah. I, you know, is it catastrophic in a you know a long form narrative to recast an actor? <sighs> No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I want. I would say yes, only if it was like Nolan was like, "Well, I had a very specific movie I wanted to make, but it required the Joker, right?" And because, like, and so if it was like, "Well, the only reason why he couldn't make that specific movie is because he couldn't recast the Joker," right? I would have wanted to see that film. Yeah, um, I, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think it, it it likely would have been more coherent. But you know, Nolan, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't make sequels aside from this. So I, you know, you just don't know. Like, did he actually have anything in the tank for for Joker? Because um, his ideas for how to, I, I think he's a lot. Because he said that he said the same with the first one that I don't know what I'm I'm going to do with this. I'm like, yeah, but you did. Yeah. Right, Batman Begins. He's like, I was just doing that as a tease. I don't know what I was gonna do with it. I'm like, yeah, but then you just wrote it out the script, so it was within you, right? So I do think that he had. I don't think I do think he had a story in mind, and his brother also helped co-write it. And his brother, I think, is more open that like, yeah, he definitely did have ideas, right? So, like. I think it was there. Now, I, now whether those ideas are gr- good, right? As we've seen with this movie, Nolan's not perfect. Nolan has the ability to make bad elements of a film, right? And so maybe it would have been a worse film, right? But I would have liked to have just seen what he would have done with it. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, Heath Ledger's death is tragic for a lot of reasons. Yeah, uh, as a consumer of media, 
this is probably one of them. And that's crass to say because he was a person and family and people loved him. Um, and so, like, for them, that's ridiculous. But um, for me, I don't know Heath Ledger. And so his impact on my life was, yeah, no. was through his art. And so, film, yeah, not, film, not yeah. being able to see him play this character again is, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that sucked. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that it's, it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's ultimately, I think that there, for, for a variety of reasons, this movie, um, just, it, it's tough. It's a tough one to nail down. It's got a little bit of Godfather three syndrome to it. Um, which is just that it's yeah. not a bad movie. But the only things that I can really think to say about it are that it's bad, you know, like, like it, it, it. And then you have like one great. You remember like one amazing moment, right? And then the rest of it is like, you know, all the things that, that it got wrong. And it's like that's not really fair, because yeah, it's a good movie. It's just not. It's predecessor for a blockbuster. I mean. If you compare it to almost most majority of Hollywood blockbuster, it is just way better. Yeah. Right? Like, it just is. But, like, yeah, it's it's the classic disappointing good movie. Yeah, which we've talked about several mm-hmm. times on this. Right. On this, right. This like, there's just movies which you, you, the emotions of what you feel it could have been override your objective take on what it really is. Yes, agreed. Right. And I think that's a good way, that's a good place to end it. Um, Do you have any last words, though? Nope. All right. Well, um, we went long as usual, but thanks for listening. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you later.